The Fake Show is brought to you by Threads of Envy, the law firm of Hutchison & Stephan, the Craft House Brewery, the Tone Factory Recording Studio, Moonshot.com T-Shirt Designs, and by Mr. Antenna. Now your host, Jim Tofty. You might not know who Holly Knight is, but you probably know many of the hit songs that she has written. She's a songwriter Hall of Fame inductee and wrote huge hits for Tina Turner, Pat Benatar, Patti Smythe, Chaka Khan, Rod Stewart, and so many more. In Holly Knight's new book, I Am the Warrior, she talks all about the rise in the business and how she caught the attention of so many artists and producers. I've got Holly Knight on the line right now in Los Angeles. Hi, Jim. Holly, welcome to the program, and congratulations on your new book. Certainly a long time coming for fans like myself. I've been following your career for a long time. Really? Yeah. I mean, I I realize some people may not know your name, but the fact that you've written so many hit songs for all of these artists. Um, in fact, I remember your band Spider featuring you and Anton Fig of David Letterman's show. How did you two hook up and get together for a band? Well, I had been uh, living, I moved back to New York. That's where I'm from. I had been traveling since I was 15 and I moved back to New York and I really was looking for people to join uh, a band or form a band with and he was the drummer in the band um so i moved into the loft where the band was rehearsing and the, the rest is history i mean we were just kids at that point you know he hadn't done letterman and i hadn't written any hits we just gravitated towards each other i guess destiny pulled us together but we were both uh, educated and talented in music, so we'll, we can start with that. Yeah, and I mean, I know that there came a time where you were plotting to become a full-time songwriter, so <laughs> how, how was it that you would uh, you would make the move to L.A.? How did that happen for you? Well, I left the band after the second record. Um, I'm sure you've heard stories of bands where it's like a marriage, and there's a lot of love <laughs> and a lot of hate and competitiveness, and it just got to be too much for me. Uh, and during that time, I realized that songwriting was something I was pretty good at. I didn't know that until I joined the band and everybody was writing, and I thought I would give it a go. I, Of course, I've been in a musician my whole life, pretty much. I started when I was four years old, and I took classical for 10 years. Um, so yeah. my desire was just to be in a band and be a rock star, but the songwriting part hadn't even come into play yet. So when I left the band, I went to the president of my label, who was later to become my mentor, and that was a man named Mike Chapman, right. who was a very famous producer. He'd done Blondie, and he'd done My Sharona with the Knack, and yeah. a Hot Child in the City with Nick Gilder. And he told me, he was also an incredible songwriter. That was one of the reasons I wanted to work with him. He told me that I should move to California, and he would help me out. He would sign me to a new publishing deal. And if he was producing records, even if he wasn't a writer, he would come to me for songs if they needed them, if they couldn't write them in their own camp. And that's really how it started. So I moved to L.A. because that's where he lived, and that's where the center of the music business was starting to take over. Best uh, thing I ever did. How does it work? Were you assigned specific artists or to, to help them or to, to get things moving? Well, it was all of the above. Sometimes um, I would just write a great song, and I would take it to my publisher and say, can you get this to, to so-and-so or whatever? Other times, uh, we, it was the right place at the right time. So one of the very first days that I went to write with Mike, we had already written Better Be Good to Me, which became a big hit for Tina wow. Turner. 
on Private Dancer. It was her second single. Um, I was at his house, and I write about this in the book. It's the chapter where I talk about Pat Benatar in Love the Battlefield. I was at his house to write, and Pat Benatar called up right when I was there and said, I need a song. So, I mean, you know, I don't know if that happens a lot to every songwriter, but it happened to me. And then yeah. once I started getting songs out there, people started to come to me and say, we're doing a new record. Can you can you turn something in and, and, and give us a hit or whatever? So I tried to write songs that were singles because they can write their, you know, every artist can write an album track. They're looking for the songs. It's very different now, but back then you had to buy a whole record. So you would have a single that would sort of draw everybody in so that they could get deeper into the record. So um, very often when I would write, it would become the single. It's, it's interesting, as you say, the floodgates opened a little bit when you had uh, a couple of hits, but they were very empowering songs. So were you hearing from female artists who wanted to kind of uh, grab some of the magic that you were writing? Well, I think the empowerment came from writing hard rock songs because, you know, when you have someone like a Benatar or Ann Wilson or Tina Turner, they're all feisty women, you know? So, and they knew that I was the one to go to that would write those kind of songs. And But I also wrote for men, and a lot of the songs I wrote for men turned out to be better songs for women, because for a man to sort of sing about empowerment is just sort of like whatever, but for a woman to then do that. In fact, when I would do demos, I would have men singing on the demos and submit them to women, because women seem to relate to that more, the strength of that, than if I gave them a demo with a woman singing, if that makes sense. Yeah, I saw a video of your band Spider um, performing You Better Be Good to Me, and it's really incredible right. to watch because Tina really took that template and ran with it, didn't she? She totally did on a vocal level. On yeah. an instrumental level, I think ours was a little bit more like Lou Reed. It was a little more sort of cool and druggy, and hers is very upbeat, which is, is great. I mean, they're both great. But, um, you know, uh, when I perform Better Be Good To Me, I usually do it in the version that Spider did. I know exactly what video you're talking about. It was a live show in Germany. It was, a, it was like a club date, I think. Uh-huh. And I read that you wrote Simply the Best. You actually wrote it for Paul Young. That would have been great, but he passed on it, yes? Exactly. Um, he passed on it, and then it was recorded by Bonnie Tyler. And then after that, she called me up and she said, I love this song. I want to cut it, but it needs a bridge. Can you write me a bridge? And can you make it go up in key after that? And um, so I did. I rewrote the song, re-registered it. And so it wasn't necessarily, as I say in the book, it wasn't written for Tina Turner, but it was meant for her. She's the one that had the big hit with it. It sure was Probably great. my biggest song. Yeah. Did any of the singers who had these huge hits with your songs, did they acknowledge you at any at any point? Did you hear from them? Almost never. In fact, <laughs> yeah. that they really want people to think they wrote the song. It's amazing. Right. And some artists more than others like to sort of almost imply that they should have gotten credit. I mean, it's ridiculous. But I will say that Tina Turner wrote the foreword to this book. And that was the biggest thank you that I ever could have gotten in in that one page. She said thank you in a way that just sort of made up for all the other people. I always thought your song Pleasure and Pain by the Divinals was really cool, but I'm not sure if it even charted here in the United States, did it? No, it went to number one in a lot of places around the world, but it didn't do... It did, I don't even think it charted either, although... MTV got a hold of it, and it was on heavy rotation, and that's how people knew of it. That's probably how you knew of it. 
because a lot of times, if you didn't have a hit on the radio, you could still have a hit on MTV, and that was the beauty of it. That's why this book is so centric on the MTV years and what was so great about it, you know? Yeah, um, and you seem to structure songs so effortlessly, at least they sound like that. Is that something that you can actually teach? Absolutely. Look, you can't teach someone how to be good at something. It's like with photography. You can't teach someone to have a good eye. You can't teach someone to have the raw tools where you create something out of nothing when it comes to songs. But there is a craft to the writing, too. And it's not like anyone's taught me, but I have once in a while. I've done some master classes, and there are definitely things you can learn when it comes to arrangements. I think that's the one thing I've, I've found with my students when I taught is that's where they're the weakest. They don't understand that there's a purpose for each part of the song, whether it's a verse or a chorus or a bridge. They all have to have a reason to be there or they shouldn't be there. As I let you go, this might seem like a strange question, but did you really consider yourself a songwriter until someone said, hey, you're really good at this, you should maybe consider doing this? Well, that's exactly what happened, actually. Um, I thought I was just writing in my band Spider, and then Mike Chapman was the one who said to me, uh, you know what, you're an incredible musician, but that's pretty common as far as there are a lot of great musicians out there. There are not a lot of great songwriters out there, and they're very much in need, and they're considered the royalty in this business, because that's the hidden gem. If you can write a great song, you'll get on the radio, and that's what gets the records out there. And I love that there was a guy like Mike there for you that kind of, you know, made... Oh, totally. Uh, Holly Knight's new book, I Am the Warrior, it's available at Amazon.com and everywhere books are sold. Boy, it's on my Christmas list. Holly, it was so nice to talk to you. Thanks so much. Thank you so much. And for those who like to listen to books, it's also available on Audible, and I narrated it. And nice. there are original demos that were never before heard that are in the book as well. Okay. Holly, thank you so much, and, and happy holidays. Thank you. Happy holidays. You know, people who grew up in the 80s say that MTV was the soundtrack to their lives, and Holly Knight deserves much of the credit. Few songwriters have written such a diverse collection of songs for such a broad range of superstars. Well, that finishes this episode of The Fake Show Podcast. Thanks for listening. I'm Jim Tofty. I'll see you next time. Listen to The Fake Show anywhere on SoundCloud, Stitcher, iTunes, and thefakeshow.com.